0: turn to psalm 60 verse 4 psalm 60 verse 4 and uh, on wednesdays we have teachings and i'm going to try and and keep this at a in a teaching mode though this is like a uh, a continuation of sunday's message dealing with joseph of arimathea how many were here for that A number of you were here, and uh, we dealt with that. And I'm going to bring that out near the end of my message here, tie it in. But first of all, I want us to read Psalm 60, verse 4. It says, But for those who fear you, you have raised a what? To be unfurled. It's actually a flag against the bow. In other words, some other translations say, those that that walk or live in truth. These bring up a flag. These raise up, they lift high a banner. Father, I pray that we would be able to be individuals, Lord God, that would lift high your flag, your banner, and make a stand as we taught on Sunday for your honor, for your glory. In Christ's name, everybody together Set. And you may be seated. I want to show you an article that came out of today's daily review. Made headlines, as a matter of fact, on the sports page. And uh, I don't know if any of you know who Tony Smith is. But you can tell it's a girl. Unless it's a rapper from Oakland. Hallelujah. Uh, But uh, uh, she's a basketball player for... I think it's called, well, it has a name here, Manhattansville College in uh, in New York. But she's been making a lot of headlines and a lot of uh, getting a lot of ink, a lot of coverage, a lot of notoriety for what she does. And the title here in the, I mean, it even got to the Daily Review. In a city like Hayward, this made headlines, front page of the sports, where it says, Oh, say, can't you see? Not say Can You See, it's say the little catchy title. I like that. say Can You See. In other words, when they do the national anthem, she turns her back to the flag every time. Have Anybody heard about that yet? Uh, well, now, now you have. She turns her back on the flag for reasons and, you know, that, that, that she has. And I, you know, the, the, the article here by a noted individual, uh, uh, um, I think it's Monty Poole, and I, I cover sports. I, like to, you know, I used to be a sports writer, as a matter of fact. So I like sports. So, you know, don't. I follow some of the writings, some of the, you know, uh, guys that write. And this guy's a very credible writer, and he seems to to side with her in, in to a certain capacity, a certain degree. The picture there shows some individual who was a uh, Vietnam veteran coming down and messing with her and, and dealing with her. But hey, this is an open country. Uh, I mean, we can we're, we have every right. Matter of fact, and I've told you before, if you didn't, in case you didn't know it, I myself was a draft resistor. I. Beat the draft back in the 60s. Okay? I was drafted five times. I can't tell you what I said the first three times to the to the people. Uh, And somebody know my story. I I didn't think I was gonna get drafted because I was a heroin addict. I was over a heroin addict at 60, 70, 18 years old, so I didn't know they were gonna draft me, but they did. By mistake, they did. I got drafted five times. I didn't believe totally in that. Okay? But almost 29 years ago, I got drafted the real army. And that's what I want to talk about here today, uh, an army that this girl needs to get drafted on too. I want to let her know, that's why I'm entitled to Tony Smith's Love. I want to let her know that there's something that she can stand for, not against, that you and I can as well. Now, again, the banner, the word banner there, it stands for flags. See, and flags have, a, have, have many uses to them, all right? That they can be utilized for. But a flag's primary purpose is to openly show whose side somebody's on. That's what it's for. Especially during wartime. Okay? But that's the main purpose of a flag. To show whose side you are on. And what Psalm 60 verse 4 is saying is that we as Christians need to make up an open confession and profession and acknowledgement of whose side we're on. Let it be known. Say it loud. Put your foot down, step up to the plate. That's what I talked about on Sunday. I've already been hearing a lot of you talk about that. Let's step up. I want to step up to the plate. Uh, and that's what we want. To, we don't want to sit on the bench. I want to step up to the plate and hit a home run. Now the psalmist here is saying that it is, you know, the duty of every Christian, every believer, uh, to let the world know exactly where we stand. That's what the psalmist is saying here. He's saying, Hey, listen, don't 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 hide your stuff underneath a bushel. Fly the flag high. That's what the psalmist is trying to tell us here. Okay. Let it be known exactly whose side we're on. We are to leave no room, none at all, no doubt as to what we're all about. Leave no room. Uh, hey, how's it going? Jesus. Uh, you ever ask me, how's it going? Uh, you ever heard me say Jesus? Uh, I, I, we don't want no room. You can't leave no room as to whose side we're on. Okay, and again, this is this girl here, Tony Smith, she's turning her back on the fact. okay? But see, it's sad to say, more often than not, we Christians, we tend to keep our, our, our banners folded, not furled, not furling, okay? We tend to keep them in hiding, not flying. By and large, that's the way most Christians are. We tend to keep our banners up there in a drawer someplace, our flags. Instead of lifting high the banner, we've got it stashed. Consequently, my friend, the world doesn't always know our position, where we stand. I've told you before, and I've inserted it in the here because I like this. And some of you have heard it before, but most of you haven't, so I want to say it. There was a guy. How many like when Pastor Steve's going to go and tell little stories? I do. There was a guy uh, during the Civil War... That he, you know, he, he, he liked, he didn't, wow, he, he liked everything and, and, and he wanted to make things right and stuff. So what he did is he wore a Yankee top and a Confederate bottom and he got shot by both sides. <laughs> uh, when he came out, he wanted to be neutral. He wanted, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wore a Yankee top and a Confederate bottom and both sides shot him. We got to make a stand. See, one of the heavy temptations, and I was just thinking, maybe before I get back into my notes, you know, there's several things that, are, that, that the enemy hits hard when you're a Christian. One of them is giving. He don't want you to give. One of them is praying when I'm on my knees. Uh, it, it's hard to pray. Sometimes, oh, man, it, it's a, it has to be a discipline. Giving has to be a discipline like anybody was talking about. Once you start doing it, it, it gets a little bit easier. But it has to become a discipline in your life. But another one, not only prayer is hard, not only giving is hard, witnessing. It's so hard, a lot of times, to, to you know, sh- give out your faith, herald out your faith. One of the heavy temptations as Christians is to hold our devotion and our discipleship to Jesus Christ to ourselves. It's a heavy temptation. To keep it to yourself. Uh, we live in a country where we say, oh, you don't have to be so, 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 you know, outrageous and radical. With it. Just keep, religion should be uh, personal. No, it's not. Not according to Scripture, and we're going to show you here today. But, thus there can be a good amount of people who do not know that you and I are Christians. Now, maybe some of them, you know, uh, you know maybe sometimes people don't want to be labeled as, as, as radical or, 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 you know, too, too, too heavy on discipleship. But yet, my friend, most carry this to an extreme, the other extreme. In other words, yeah, you can't be too, you know, Hey, Jesus! Oh, you can't be doing that all the time. I understand that. But some people carry it to the other extreme, but they, nobody knows nothing about your Christianity. You're over here. Shh! I'm going to go to church. We carry it to the, to the wrong extreme. But whatever the case... By and large, Christians are a bit too non committal too reserved, too quiet regarding their faith in Jesus Christ. Thus, my friend, even unintentionally, we hide our light under a bushel much too often. We keep our flag in a safe and secure place. Uh, How is it with you and I? Let me ask you that question. Are you flying your flag high? You stash it more often than not. How is it? Do people know that you and I are Christians? Or will they have to find that out when we're gone? When they read the obituary of our life. Joe Slack, the service that are going to be held at Victory Outreach, of which he was a member at. I didn't know he went to church. Are they going to have to find out on on, on that day after you're gone? Wow, he was a member of that church. I didn't know that. See, in Scripture, Christ admonishes us against, you know, secretive, being secretive and having a silent discipleship. Look at Matthew 10, 27 and 32. Matthew chapter 10, verses 27 and verse 32. Christ warns us. Against keeping Christianity to ourselves do you have it Matthew ten twenty seven says what I tell you in the dark speak where what is whispered in your ear proclaim it from the rooftop whatever Jesus teaches us here he says tell it all tell it from the top of the roof don't be ashamed look at verse 32 whoever acknowledges me before men I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whosoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. But let me quickly insert here that we are not supposed to proclaim ourselves but him. Uh, If we lift him up, he will draw all men unto us. We're not supposed to proclaim ourselves, oh, I'm a Christian, man, and I'm going to heaven, and you're going to hell, eh? That's Phariseeism. Don't, don't look down on people just because, you know, I, we're going to heaven. And they're, no, 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 you got to be cool. Uh, don't, 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 don't be rubbing it on, on their face. Uh, again, that's Phariseeism. We're to lift him up, uh, and then he'll draw all men unto, me, unto himself. And then it says here, I, I like what I, what, what I wrote here. It says, we are to lift up his flag, not our filthy rags. Uh, our own righteousness he says, filthy rags. Now, our cause in our case is to lift him up so that he can draw all men unto himself. Now, what are some of the ways that we can be witnesses and flying high our flag? I want to give you just a few. What are some of the ways that we can fly our banner up? Well, one way is by and through church membership. That's how you can be a witness. That's how you can fly your your banner up. Okay, through church membership. When somebody acknowledges openly and honestly that they are members of a certain church, this makes for high accountability, because uh, they know that you're going to church. This is a rather effective way of saying publicly to everybody that he or she is belongs to Jesus. Is Christ's man? Is Christ's woman? That's what we. That's what we do when we, we belong to a church. Every, Every time we walk out of our doors and get in our cars and and head towards the house of God, we're making a very quiet yet impressive witness to the community. Do you hear what I said? Every time we get out and go out our front door and get in our cars or somebody picks us up, beep, beep, here we go. And we head towards the house of God, we're making a big statement to our community. Uh, You know, some some people should be able to set their clocks according to your life. Oh, it must be Wednesday. Uh, It's six fifteen, and there he goes. There she goes. Ah, Sunday morning. There it is. Nine o'clock. There they go. They're off. Uh, it's a statement when you they know that you 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 know you belong to Christ and you're going to church. Mm -hmm. I was thinking of something. We're not going to say that one. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Now, the matter of church attendance. It's not as casual or as trivial as one might think. When you and I ask someone to come to church, we're not just asking them to come to hear, you know, Pastor Steve preach. No, there's a lot more to it than that when we're asking them to come to church. We're asking them to consider the upkeep and the cultivation of their spiritual life and to be a witness. That's what we're asking them to be, to do. In other words, we're not just telling them, to come, oh, come here, you know, uh, Pastor Steve preach. no. Your spiritual life is important. you got to cultivate it. Uh, neglect not the assembly of the saints as, is, you know, the, as some people do. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.25. Let it be known. 2 Corinthians 3 verses 2 and 3 say that our life and your life as Christians are as written epistles read by all men. Have you ever read that? Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3, 3. It says that sometimes, and I heard it said many years ago. Sometimes people don't got time to read the Bible, but they got plenty of time to read you. Uh, That's what we are. We're written epistles read by all men, like it or not, for the good or for the bad. Uh, Because people are reading our lives, checking us out. But while many men, or listen to this, while many men are blind, they are not deaf. Which brings me to my second point. While men can pretty much turn a blind, apathetic eye to most anything, they are not deaf. I probably lost you, so I'm going to pick you up right there. All right? See? In other words, they have to hear. While well, people can turn a blind eye to anything, you know. Uh, no, no, no you know. They can act like they don't see. But people are not deaf. They got to hear you. Ah. Uh, I'm a Christian, I'm going to go to church. They got to hear. They got two years. God gave them two years. And what I'm trying to say is that word of mouth is so very, very key. Talking about the gospel, sharing it. Life in the word each Wednesday should lead to life with words. I want to wait for you. Because that's the title of Wednesday night services. Life in the word. But if you come to church on Wednesdays and you have life in the word, life in the word should lead you to a life with words. Talking about your faith. Uh, And some of you have been with me. I I like to witness all the time, you know. But, and sometimes I don't know if you've ever been with me, but I'll I'll be with people and I'll be there and then I'll say, uh, are you a Christian? Oh, no, 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 no. You know how they are. They, They think they're bad. No, 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 no. I said, well, brother, you're kidding. You look, you, look, you look smarter than that. You look, you look sharp to me, man. You look, you look hip, man. You look like a, you know, you look like a cool dude, man. You got it together. And you're not a Christian? Shush. Uh, because they think, they, 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 huh? Because think cool is like, you know, hey, hey, nah. You know, that's not cool. But I'll tell you something. Uh, when people. Get wind of people like you becoming a Christian who thought you were cool and now you know you're cool. That's cool. Matter of fact, I wanted to say this, and this brings me, I almost forgot to tell you. Next Wednesday night, uh, the founder of The Call, they just had 45,000 people at the Pasadena Rose Bowl on Saturday. He's going to be here. He's coming, all right? His name is Che An. He's written several books, but he started The Call which had like 285,000 in Washington, D.C. the first time. 95,000, they had it over in, in the, uh, the Meadowlands, over in New Jersey. They, all, all over. They've been in London. They've been in the Philippines. And now we're going to be here uh, April the 5th at the Candlestick Park. And I don't know how many we're going to have, but I, I just pay way more than 45,000. There should be a lot. But he will be here. And it happens that it just working out in that he's really into like prayer for the youth, youth and prayer. Okay, As a matter of fact, the, the head of the Northern California call is uh, David Kightley, Pastor David Kightley's son, Patrick Kightley, from Shiloh uh, uh, Church in Oakland. Both of them are going to be here too. All right? And it happened to coincide that there's going to be the last day of the revival with Tim Arganzoni. Uh, right up Chan's and their freeway. Uh, the, the leader of our gang, International, is going to be here. And I was like tempted to say, my God, maybe we should have Tim sit down. and... And have I mean, this guy's got a church of 8,000 and something. I was there one time in, when Pastor Sunday was speaking at a church on the way with Jack Hayford, at Jack Hayford's church, uh, 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 and they, their, their, their choir sang. Ooh, my goodness. At the end of their dissertation, I found out they have eight choirs. That was their number one choir. I said, ooh. Huh? But right after that, I'll never forget. I mean, they, and they, they, they kept singing songs, and I said, oh, my God. But they were all great songs, you know. <clears throat> Depends, Hallelujah. And then they called. And now before Pastor Sonny comes, his uh, 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 his uh, uh, ensemble is gonna come and minister. And I'll never forget, Manito get the mic. Manito got the mic from the from their choir director. And he grabs it. and He goes, "We're gonna show you what it's all about, worshiping in the hood." Bam! And then he took off. You know, Andre Crouch was there that night. Woo-hoo, my goodness, some of you got the tape. You guys got the CD. I don't know if you were there that night. I mean, it was powerful. Uh, they, they brought the house down. Uh, well, we might do that Wednesday night too. Hallelujah. Uh, all right, but anyways, next Wednesday that what's going to happen. I don't know how I got into that. Uh, <laughs> okay, in other words, people have to hear. They are not deaf. Are you with me? Okay. As a matter of fact, I almost titled the sermon Life in the Words. Hallelujah. But I didn't title it that. Now, we're called to speak up and we're called to speak out. Christianity has to be talked. You've got to talk it out. Uh, how shall they hear? Well, let a preacher, the book of Romans says. Uh, the psalmist says in Psalms 107, verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not no, no. If you're a Christian, say so. Uh, let it be known. I'm going to heaven. I don't want to go alone. Want to come? Hallelujah. Um, see, the average Christian is not a lead vocalist when it comes to expressing his or her faith. I once entitled a sermon "Lead Vocalist," All right, But we're not a lead vocalist when it comes to to uh, expressing our faith. Uh, we're not even backups. Ah, uh, the kingdom of God would be a whole lot larger, and many more souls would be won for Christ, if Christians were not so tongue-tied. Uh, we gotta tell it, we gotta say it. So many of us can be so vocal about so many other things, yet when it comes to the most important thing on this planet and out of this planet, which is salvation, we seem to always take the fifth. Huh? I take the fifth, Your Honor. Uh, I know my rights. Uh, I have the right to remain silent. For anything I say can and will be held against me in the court of the devil. And it will, but shame the devil. Uh, say it loud, shame the devil. Mm. But so many of us, we have this, this you know, unc- uh, uncanny way of always taking the fifth. Uh, we're we're not about everything else. That's what I always gets to me. And I've told you before, I had some of my partners, they were great hustlers out in the world, way better than me. The minute they get saved, raise your hands and praise the Lord. Oh, goodness. Uh, I mean, if you were some of you were loud out there. Now in a church like this, as Pentecostal, you don't even want to say amen. Though I know, listen, I, I know what kind of church this is. And I know when some of you go to other churches, I, I just know, I know what happens. Uh, and you're used to our church. That you can say amen anytime you want to. Amen. So I know that sometimes if you go to somebody else's church, other than if it's a Pentecostal, get down, kind of, you know, hey. Uh, especially them soul churches, hallelujah. Uh, but there's some places, uh, if you're Victor Alvich and they invited you to go maybe for a, a, a you know, baby dedication or, or some kind of a baptismal. And, and you're there and the pastor says something good and you go, Amen. That's probably the last amen that you're going to say that night. <laughs> because everybody looks at you like, ooh. You know? Man, we got somebody in the house. Strange guy. He, you know, he's, he said a four-letter word, you know? In God's house. Ay, ay, ay. See, but most Christians, they take on the false notion that the preaching of the gospel and witnessing should be left to the pastors and to the ministers. Now, that's a false notion. We're supposed to... Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You're the ones supposed to do that. Shepherds can't breed breed sheep. Sheep breed sheep. Not shepherds. Uh, But we take on the false notion. That Christianity should remain in the confines of the church house. But what really has the biggest and the most eye-opening impact on anybody else outside of the ministry is when somebody that's not in the ministry... Talks long and loud about Jesus Christ. Mm, I hope I didn't lose you right there. I may have. What has the biggest impact on people is when somebody that's not a minister is talking long and loud about Jesus. Because uh, I've been with some people there, and, and they, you know, they're talking and they talk and they say, Are you a minister? People say, Are you a minister? No, 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 no. I just got saved. Yeah, because they think only ministers are supposed to, you know, and they're supposed to just be, you know, in the church house, in the confines of the, of the four walls, but not out there. Oh, you know, your religion should be private, not public. Land, devil. Huh? The other day after church, my daughter and I went, she was hungry, to the store, you know, and uh, 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 so I said, okay, okay, I'll go, okay, don't touch my stomach, all right, all right. And we ran into somebody from, he used to come to church here. And, uh, you know, we see her, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. And then we said, uh, you know, there's a revival coming up. And, and we were talking about, you know, Timothy coming. And she goes, I guess you wouldn't be a pastor if you would not tell me about Jesus. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be a good pastor if you wouldn't invite me. You know, but she had the notion, too, that, hey, I'm supposed to do my, but that's not just my job. It's everybody's job. Uh, I'll never forget one time, you know, how many remember Rita Bueno? She says what got to her was a young man from our church, went right up to her with a, carrying a Bible and said, I want to pray for you. She says, and this was a young guy, a young guy. She says, Pastor Steve says, what got to me is this guy could be out there partying. This guy could be out there trying to have a good time. But you know what? There he was, you know, having a Bible study. Inviting me to his Bible study and talking about Jesus. He says, that got my attention. That makes a greater impact, my friend, when somebody that's not a minister talks about Jesus. That gets their attention. Say, my God, look at this. Uh, We need to take advantage of that. Uh, I'm a pastor and I still talk about Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, I'll I'll join you anyways. Uh, But again, it's when Joe regular turns into Holy Joe and witnesses that gets most ear time. I do want the title sermon that, Ear Time. I like that one. Not Air Time. This sermon had so many titles. <laughs> but I like that one. Ear Time. Now we got to give them some ear time. Not air time. Ear time. Oh, tell them about Jesus. Yes. People of the world, when you witness and do all this, they're going to think that you're a bit strange and a little bit odd when you share your faith. But let them have their say. Let them say what they want. Because in their defense of what we're telling them, in their indictment of us, that really only goes to prove their need. Hope I didn't lose you on that one. Let them indict us. Oh, my God. But that only goes to prove and to show how much they need Jesus. They're really talking about how much they need the Lord. Ah, uh, That's what they're doing. They don't even know it. Uh, it only serves to show that they have not asked Christ for forgiveness of their sins. Think about this. Think about this. If more and more of us Christians would talk about and witness about our faith more often, then it would not seem to be so unnatural and so what? It would be the norm. Oh, here come the Christians. Oh, here come the I know what they're going to tell me. But they don't get that too often. So they think it's odd. They think it's odd because we're not doing our job. It shouldn't be odd. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, Jesus marveled at their unbelief. Stay with me now. I'm not going to be like an evil. Are you with me? I want you to stay with me here. I'll make you stay with me. Hallelujah. I'm not asking you, are you with me? Stay with me. Jesus said in the Bible, it says he marveled at their unbelief. Now that's pretty profound. I'll tell you why. Because to Jesus, what got him was people that didn't believe. Today, America and most of the Christians, we marvel at belief. Evidence. Evidence. who? Uh, Fred Price is right. Uh, Kenneth Hagin. Evidence. Oh, man of faith. Jesus said that's supposed to be the norm. Jesus marveled at unbelief. We marvel at belief. Ooh, I wish I had the faith of Kenneth Copeland. Copenhagen. Ah. Uh, wow. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to be par for the course. It's the devil that's stifling us. It's the devil that's got us down. Our faith is supposed to be regular. We're supposed to all have it and exercise it. But now in America we marvel at belief. When Jesus marvels at unbelief you mean you don't you don't know the law. You don't, you, you don't care about the things of God. That's what we should marvel at. Uh, see, there's going to inevitably be a time and time and time again when us believers will find ourselves among a number of unbelievers. Are you with me? I'm asking you now. Uh, there's going to be a time where we're going to be sheep among wolves. There's going to be a time when we're going to be among unbelievers. There's going to be a lot of times time and again out in the workplace, wherever, at our job, at our schools. We're going to find ourselves like that. Now, how are we going to act? Are we going to get out our flag and frill it and fly it high? Or will we keep it hidden and out of sight? And thus, my friend, give the impression we're just like them. We just want to blend. We just want to flow. Go with the flow. When in Rome... Uh, when in Rome, witness. Uh, when in your job, witness. Uh, don't, don't get outlanded, uh, all crazy, but, but tell them. Let them know. Throw in a little innuendo, a little, you know, hey. That's what I like to do. Uh, I mean, when I was in jail, let me pause here. I used to be in jail, just in case you didn't know. We used to have a thing called caria. I don't know if you know about that. In other words, like picking on, mincing around, and, you know. And I, I usually to like to do that, I still like to do it. But I do it for the Lord. Uh, you, you've heard me sometimes when I tell people, there's nothing wrong with going to heaven. Oh, well, you know. I'm always coming up with little things like that. Uh, just habit. Uh, good habits are hard to break. Hallelujah. But we've got to do stuff like that. Throw it in. We don't want to give them the impression we're just like that. I call this the silent of the lambs. Oh, uh, the silence of the lambs. Oh, listen to this. Somebody has said regarding our Christianity that it should be as impossible to forget that there's a Christian in their midst as it is to forget that there's a 3-year-old kid in their midst. I want to read that again. It should be impossible, as impossible to forget that there's a Christian in their midst as it is to forget that there's a 3-year-old child in their midst. Should I say this? Uh, well, I'm not, But how many know three-year-old children? Raise your hand, Clayton, hallelujah. I wasn't going to say it, but I said it, hallelujah. Uh, isn't it impossible to forget? Uh, I mean, you know, little Clayton sometimes lives next door to me now, sometimes. Today he was hanging over the fence. Hey, Pastor Steve! <laughs> I said, all right, all right, here's a cup of sugar, here's a cup of sugar, you know, not easy, you know. Uh, but it should, be, I mean, you, you know he in the house. Well, that's the way it should be with us. Uh, a little Clayton in the house, hallelujah. Uh, you know Jesus. Uh, you don't know Jesus, what's wrong with you, man? My brother said, if you don't know Jesus, you don't be cool. You know Jesus, you'll be cool. You know, to tell me the truth, I used to love, and I still do, going to a Nikki Cruz crusade. And I already know his testimony. Sometimes he throw in new stuff, like the other day when he was here, he threw in some new stuff about the lady, that lady that witnessed to him. Remember that he went to go tell the something? I never heard that one. That was bad. Ah, uh, the Doña, and that she told Nikki, you know, what are you doing carrying that Bible? You know, sacri- that's terrible. You're, you shouldn't do that. You're, you're making a mockery. And he goes, no, Dona Mecala, mira, 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 estoy cristiano, I'm a Christian now. And that's what she told everybody. He says, she told everybody more than I did. And as a matter of fact, that's what happened in my neighborhood. When I got saved, there was this lady. She told everybody. Uh, everywhere, you know, you know, you know what you We know happened to Stepineda? You know what happened to Stepineda? She told everybody more than I did. Uh, especially when you first knew. Uh, oh, let's go on. Getting close to closing. Now, I want to close. See, I this is what it says, I want to close. I want to conclude by showing us three things, and they're quick. Three things of what being a strong and open witness does for you when you put your foot down. I want to give you three quick things on what it does for us, for you, when you put your foot down, when you're open and you declare your witness. First of all, number one, declaring your faith helps safeguard against entangling oneself with the things of the world. Makes it easier not to, not to go back. Makes it easy. I'm, I mean, let me tell you something. If you want to go to hell, backslide. But I don't want you to backslide. I don't want you to go to hell. And it makes it a whole lot easier when you declare yourself, when you wave your flag, I'm a Christian here. Put your foot down. It helps. See, openly declaring your allegiance to Christ is your best security against the world, the flesh, and the devil a great security. Hey, did you hear about Steve Pineda? That lady said it, he's going to church. (laughs) Before I said it. Uh, To declare ourselves is to protect ourselves. Did you hear what I said? To declare yourself is to protect yourself. Uh, I said this on Sunday. He that stands for nothing will fall for anything. He that stands for nothing will fall for anything. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Really? Whatever. The person who doesn't declare himself puts himself or herself in big jeopardy when he or she finds themselves in the company of the uncommitted. When you're in the enemy's camp and you haven't declared yourself, you put yourself in jeopardy. Uh, but when they know, and those of you that have declared yourself, and most of you have, you know what it's like when you go to a party, when you go to, you know, you might go to somebody's wedding, or, but eventually, they know you're going to go. Uh, and once they go, once you go, all right, let's bring it out loud, and then they get rid of, you know. Uh, but I've told you before, when, when I first got saved, one of my cousins who, I hardly even talked to him anymore, because he thought he was a big, bad leader dude. Um, and I remember he comes up to me, I went to, uh, I think it was his father's party. His father, I had led his dad to the Lord. He didn't really care. Uh, and they brought his dad from the convalescent home, and they brought him to, to party. You know, but, but I had already led him to the Lord. I didn't, you, you know. And then he looks at me, and I'll never forget, he goes, hey, Steve, want a beer? Acting all bad, because he, he was a bad dude. He was one of the leaders, the gang leader and all that stuff, flashing their jackets back in those days the tokens, and, you know. Couldn't just anybody be a token. Ah. Uh, you want a beer? And I don't know, really, Johnny. Don't, 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 t- offer me heroin. Okay. He goes, uh, you know, he just walked away, you know. It's <laughs> a beer, you know. But even then, I was going to say, no. But they're going to tempt you. They want to mess with you. And we're all going to find ourselves in the company of the uncommitted every now and again. But when you put your foot down, it's a safeguard. It's security. It's safety against going back. Uh, Psalms 1.1 says turn to it, Psalms 1.1 most of you know but some some of you don't very very powerful scripture here I got about 12 more minutes anyways Psalms 1.1 says remember what I've taught before sin is progressive sin is what? progressive that's why you gotta nip it at the bud where do you gotta nip sin at? right at the beginning because if not it takes one step pretty soon it finds itself in the second step but it's in the third step. It progresses. Get rid of it right away. Psalms one says, Blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Uh, see, my friend, it's talking about compromising. And compromise and de- and denial are always a possibility in Christianity. Understand what I just said there. Don't, 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 don't lose what I just said there. Compromise for any Christian. Nobody is a cinch domino to get to heaven. Did you hear what I said? Nobody. you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Pastor or new convert. Uh, compromise and denial can happen to anybody. Ask Jimmy Swaggart. Uh, ask Jim Baker. Uh, it can happen to anybody. So you got to be very, very precautious. Um, here, right here, like I said, is f- first of all, they're, they're, the, the man's walking by. Then he's standing by, and then what does he do at the end? He's sitting down. Because that's the way sin is. I, wanna, I know most of you know this, but some don't. And i got to bring this out to you regarding sin. First of all, in sin, you can just be walking by. Ooh, she's pretty. Huh? Oh, me? Oh, yeah. Hi, hi. Huh? Oh, yeah, my sign? My sign. Well, I'm Sagittarius. I was born on the cusp. <laughs> I got two personalities. Uh, guess who I am today? She. Uh, pretty soon, you're sitting. And I think the psalmist was nice. He didn't go on and say that. But let's go on. <laughs> you got to be careful with compromise. Ask Peter. When he was following Jesus, the Bible says, afar off. He was warming himself by the fire. You know why? Because Peter had gone cold. He needed to warm himself. Be careful of getting, becoming cold in Christianity. Don't warm yourself by the fire, but by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Get on your knees. It's dangerous when you start getting real cold. The enemy can come in and and pick you off that easy. Peter understood that. Uh, That's what happened with him. Christ knows that trying to live in undeclared, uncommitted Christianity can be very costly. Open allegiance can settle a lot of alarming and, and regretful situations. Did you hear what I said? Open allegiance can... can, can, you know, settle a whole lot of other stuff, other, you know, compromising situations. No, I'm a Christian. Boom. It's over with. And done. Second thing that an open declaration does is that it gives courage to the weaker hearted, the weaker people. It helps fan the flames the flickering heart of another individual. If you're taking notes, write this down. Courage is contagious. Courage is contagious. It just does something to other people. It's catchy. What have I said before? I caught a hot and I don't want to get well. Don't pray for me. Not a cold. I caught a hot. March 21st will be 29 years when I caught a hot. And I'm still sick. Uh, And I don't want to get well. I shouldn't get well. If you see me getting well, call the doctor. The great physician, hallelujah. Jesus, Steve needs you. He's getting well. Uh, that's not good. Uh. The Bible says, no man lives and dies unto himself. Uh, in other words, hey, you can, when, when you do something good, it's contagious. People will watch that and they follow that. No man lives unto himself. In other words, whatever you do affects other people. That's what Romans is saying. No man lives or dies unto himself. What, your actions, whatever you do, uh, people are watching. And they can catch it. John 21.3, you don't got to turn to it. But you do got to turn to John 19. All right. But John 21.3 says, Peter said, I go a-fishing. And the Bible says that when he said, that's when Jesus died on the cross, and Peter was all disenchanted, he said, I go fishing. The scripture right after that says, and other people, other disciples said, we will go with you. In other words, Peter, the leader, said, I'm gonna just go, in a sense, you know what he was saying, I'm gonna go backslide. Because he used to be a fisherman, he was going back to being a fisherman again. Ah. And the Bible says that other disciples, well hey, I may as well go with you too, Jesus is dead, lost cause. Now look at John 19, 38, and 39. This is what we covered last Sunday. John. Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but what? secretly because he feared the Jews with Pilate's permission he came and took the body away he was accompanied by who the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night when at night when nobody was watching they were both secret disciples now i come at night the creeper nicky the creeper <laughs> I don't want the sun here. Do you see me? Hey, what must I do? do you know? Uh. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Uh. Be cool. I am. I'm the coolest person that ever walked to the face of this planet and asked Nikki Cruz. I'm going to change his name to Nikki Cool. Hallelujah. Uh. Courage is contagious. Uh, finally, one guy decided, you know what, this Christianity is all right. Then another guy who was in the county jail thought, man, maybe I should go over there and check out what my homeboy's doing. He went to the home. And he's there and said, man, I don't know about this. How could Anthony do this? Man, this is... you hear they say things like, hallelujah. Yeah. Man, ooh, look at everything. Amen hey, man, hijo. Uh, then one day, whoop! Jesus zaps him, and then Paul says, "Man, what's happening over there, Chucky?" Ah, uh, see, one guy puts his foot down, comes out of the closet. Ah, uh, then chain reaction. You might end up in Indonesia uh, without amnesia. Hallelujah. Let's go on. Good rap line. Good rap line. Hallelujah. Uh, Man, somebody's praying here today. We're getting close to closing. Got five minutes. Third and final thing, okay, that open confession does is that it provides the world with answers to their ills, to their problems, to their worries. That's what it does. You have the answer. And once you witness, man, the people will know that. That's why sometimes going on the street meetings, I know, street meetings can look pretty dumb. Oh! Because I know. Some of you told me the other day, oh, there's my sister, and she's a Jehovah Witness. She's going to see us, think we're crazy. <laughs> and what do you, have you been on a street meeting with me before? With me before, you know what I say. Some of you think we're crazy. Because I, I, I ain't crazy and I ain't stupid, I know. I know what they're thinking. I like to tell them, you think we're crazy? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, We know you're crazy. You know? <laughs> Take sink out of there. But what do I always say? No, we would be crazy if we weren't out here. You should have seen us before. That's <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. I would have liked to have seen Anthony in Kentucky before. Just tell me, Paul, I'm just kidding. I- Now that's crazy. Uh, This is sanity here. Uh, This is this is. I mean, we got to tell them. Jesus told us it's not a a, you know a a wish. Uh, He he says go. It's not a suggestion. It's go. Let the redeemed of the Lord go. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Um, It's a commandment that God has given us. Um, It's been said that it's downright criminal for someone to hold on to the good news when so many are perishing in their sins. And I would dare say that's that's a fact. It's criminal for us to hold on to something that we know is true and factual and is powerful and can change their lives when they're perishing in their very sins. If a young college girl can turn her back on a flag... Offer what she doesn't believe in. How about us regarding what we do believe in? I'm going to finish with this. Most of you have not heard it. I haven't said it in many years, but it really gets to me. Some of you have, but there was, whenever I say it, I, I write under the East Coast Soul Winner. Back in the days, back in the 20s, it's a true story, not a preacher. Preachers wouldn't travel by air. They used to travel by train or by bus. He was traveling by train. And he was at a a, 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 a grand central station of a certain city. I think it was Philadelphia, the East Coast. And while he was there, he was a soul winner. He was a witnesser. He wasn't just a preacher. Uh, He wasn't just... Client, but he was a member, hallelujah. It wasn't just the president. And he goes and he sees this lady all out, looking real sharp, real nice. Uh looking like if hey she owns the world, like if she don't need God because she's real good, cool. And he goes up to her and he begins to tell her about Jesus. Young lady, do you know the Lord? And Jesus can change your life. Do you have, no, I don't have Christ. Well, man, why not? And, you know, you should. And, and, you know, don't you know that if you, you should perish, that gold, that silver cannot take you to heaven? And just witnessing to her. When he got done talking to her about Christ, he leaves and he goes back with his people that are going to be catching the train with him that are gonna, where he's going to go preach. But when he's leaving her, her husband comes out of the restroom and he sees. The guy talking to his wife, he had a little bit of Latin in him, Walter, <laughs> in the East Coast. So he comes out, and he looks, and he sees the guy walking by. you know. So he comes to his wife and he says, hey, hey, honey, what, what, what was that all about? How come, was that, how come that guy was talking to you? Was he flirting? He says, oh, no, no, no. He was telling me about the love of Jesus and how Jesus Christ could change my life and how much I needed the Lord. And he goes, "You should have told him to mind his own business." And the wife says, "If you would have looked at the seen the look on his face, you would have known that that was his business." We must be about our father's business. You know, I, I should make the altar call right now, but give me one more minute. We've paid a lot of money for what we're going to do this coming week. A lot of money. It's your money. It's those of you that stood for the 50. We need to take advantage of it. I know. We're changing here. We, together, everyone accomplishes more teamwork. We, we're strategizing more. We're planning more. Why do you think we're having the meeting Thursday? And we're evolving. We're growing because we know we can't grow a big church. Unless, you know, on a vacuum, it doesn't happen by accident. But I believe God put this upon my heart to have the revival with Tim. And I believe it's God's timing. I asked him to come way before that day when my wife got up here last leaders meeting and started to cry. Some of you were not here. And she said, if you could have, the youth, the youth. She was crying for our youth, the way they were misbehaving in the services. Things are beginning to change. And I know that. God's answering prayer. God's moving. But this is this really, you know what? This is not only going to be good for our youth. It's going to be good for our church. And if there's anybody that's pretty good or even real good at putting things together at the last minute. Shh, don't tell Sonny. I can do it. I've been known to do these things. But listen, we need your help. Take advantage. Pray. Get on your knees for this event. Like that song that's, the song. that's why the song goes right along with the sermon. Bathe it in prayer. Uh, then, then then wait and get these things and pass them out. Invite people. I think the tree is ready. Sometimes when the fruit is ready, all you gotta do is shake the tree and the fruit falls. I think Hayward is at that When What a seven prophesied the other day. I take it as of the Lord. Uh, On on, on Sunday night. Dick Mills has been talking about what's going to be happening in our midst. Uh, But it's not going to happen in a vacuum, and it's not going to happen by accident. Success doesn't happen like that. It takes a lot of hard work and effort. Where does God build his highways? Not on the easy road. Not by the ocean. That's easy. It makes it hard, but it's worth it. Someone will be speaking about Sunday. You're worth it. It's worth it. I want every head bowed now.